This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Other 14 Podcast. The only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. It may be October and we're approaching Halloween, but this game week was absent of any shocks, as most games went by form and there was little to be surprised by, with wins for Newcastle, Bournemouth and West Ham, while poor form continued for Leeds, Leicester and Wolves. This week, as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello, Tom. Um, the form tables haven't changed. The poor are poor and the good are good. It's been a bit of an up and down season up to this point. Are we going to see some more stable trends establish themselves? The poor are poor and the good are good. It sounds like you're running for the Tory leadership race. <laughs> Evening, Prime Minister. <laughs> yes, it certainly looks that way. We always you know, say that around like the 10-game mark, even though it's just ticked over game week nine, um, that the table tends to paint a picture of who's fighting for what and at what ends of the table, whether it be relegation, mid-table obscurity, or potentially fighting for those coveted final few European spaces. And of course, the creme de la creme, the best of the other 14. There are certainly a few surprises up there with Messrs, Bournemouth and Fulham, but it does seem as though the table has a natural order to it now and it will be interesting to see how it plays out from here on in. Yeah, particularly want to look at Southampton and Wolves, two teams that we spoke a fair bit about last week. I know they mm. both had difficult games um, at City and... Not a 9-0. And, and at Stamford Bridge for Wolves. But once again, both teams looked... Not not that any team really looks good against Man City this, this season, apart from Newcastle and Villa. Yeah. Um, and then Wolves at Stamford Bridge, it, they just they just seem to have nothing at the moment. It's... Yep. I just can't see them getting any results down the line at this point. No, it's, uh, I think it's a difficult few weeks coming up, and it's already been a difficult few weeks for them already. So, um, yeah, fully agree. It's been a it's been a, a poor poor start from the Wolves. Oh, and I think with Wolves, they still haven't got a replacement in for Bruno Larka. I know Lop- that. Yeah, Lopetegui seems to be the guy. Yeah, Lopetegui seems the guy, but apparently he's going back to Spain at the moment to sort out some family issues. So, I, I know. That if he's the guy they want, they wait for him. But at the same time, they do need a manager in quite soon because there's a lot of games that come very fast at the moment. Yeah, games are coming thick and fast, especially some midweek games coming up as well. Yeah, you just need some leadership in there. So absolutely. So Connor Cody, <laughs> bring him back. That Inter- interim manager Connor Cody. Yeah, we say they might not have leadership, but their squad's pretty much picked by uh, Jorge Mendes as he's their agent for pretty much all their squad. So maybe you stick him in the dugout for a couple of games. Uh, it wouldn't be the worst idea. <laughs> well, currently have no good ideas, do they? Yeah, exactly. Anything yeah. will do. Yeah, Molyneux, they need something. And so to start things off, over to Tom with the classified results for the game week. And here are the classified results for game week 10 of the Premier League 22-23 season. Newcastle United 5, Brentford 1, 4, Southampton 0, Brighton have Albion 0, 1, Crystal Palace 2, Leeds United 1, Everton 1, 2, AFC Bournemouth 2, Leicester City 1, 3, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0, West Ham United 3, Fulham 1, 
Nottingham Forest 1, Aston Villa 1. Thank you for those results, Tom. Um, as I said in the intro, not really many surprises in that. Lot, but not particularly, no. Not no. many surprises, but still a lot of talking points, which... Uh, let's Some good go- games in there, though. Yeah, some very good games. So uh, let's go straight into it. After their first win of the season against Forest in last week's Monday Night Football feature, Leicester were looking to get their first back-to-back wins of the season. Going up against the Cherries was going to be a tough one, but most Leicester fans would have been hopeful of getting all three points at the Vitality. But Gary O'Neill's team are still putting out good performances and running away with the points. Talk about going from high to low for Leicester, Tom. Yeah, it was all it was pretty much all set up, wasn't it, for uh, for Leicester to go out and um and just basically get on a winning run. Um but coming up against this Bournemouth side right now, it's it's no easy feat. You know, that's now five under feet for this side. And just why has Gary not been made permanent manager yet? Um anyway, yeah, Leicester just um basically shoot themselves in the foot yet again. They they have it was basically a template of what this Leicester side has been all about this season. They get themselves ahead. They look good going forward. And then they're sloppy at the back. They've got a couple of mistakes in them and then they lose the game. That, that's pretty much how it's gone for them. I was looking at the results come in, saw that Leicester went one up and I was like, wow. They, as I, as we said last week, the their form has changed. They're on the up. They've obviously got that, um, got that confidence from their first win and just going to roll it into a, roll it into this game week. And, get the three points but Bournemouth certainly have had a different idea and to be honest their comeback was really good the thing I'm most annoyed about is that um Billing I had in on my bench in fantasy football so that was a completely wasted opportunity yep it was and yeah leading goal scorer from now so um yeah leave him out at your peril I think from now on that's uh the third goal from um this season uh yeah like I said leading goal scorer for Bournemouth well, and for Bournemouth, like Gary Nils had a great start. Admittedly, against teams that you'd kind of expect results from, he hasn't had the hardest of run. They've played Wolves, then Forest, got a point at St James's Park, which is very good. Now we're seeing how Newcastle are playing. Um, then Brentford, Leicester, and then upcoming, they've got Fulham, then Southampton. So in terms of starts for Gary O'Neill, like you couldn't have asked about. Exactly. And then following that, they're away at the London Stadium. And if David Moyes' team continue playing well, then maybe that will present more of a challenge. And they're playing Tottenham at the end of October. And then they're not playing one of the big six until Boxing Day, where they're away at Chelsea. So they could really rack up some points going into the new year. Absolutely. They could be be laughing. But I had them down as a team that should be worried. Yeah, I think we all did. And the first couple of games where we saw how they did perform and then there was the 9-0, we were worried for them. But they've turned it round massively and have been really, really good since. So fair play to Gary O'Neill. Um, what he's done there, whether... I don't know whether tactically they've, he's changed much or whether he just brought a bit of confidence that Scott Parker wasn't distributing. Um, but then... Leicester, on the other hand, it's a real a real change of fortunes for both teams. Like we thought at the start of the season, Leicester would be fine, Bournemouth would be down there. And then Bournemouth have been on this Leicester-like run where they're just churning out points, which Leicester, as we said last week, they're quite streaky. They would have liked to kick on at this point and just really, really poor from them still defensively. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned um, obviously how Gary Neal sort of turned it around. There's obviously there's a lot to be said about that new manager bounce, but, but normally, yeah, normally, like, sorry, normally a bounce is like two, three games. This is, as you say, this is five now undefeated. This is five, yeah, five, five on the bounce that they're undefeated now, and a good number of wins are there, and they are getting results against teams that they will be sort of battling it out for at that lower end of, of the table. I don't want to sort of take a, a gloss off Bournemouth's fans' expectations. You know, it'd be nice to see them sort of continue, but ultimately I think their ultimate expectations are to have a uh, good re- like a good return season back in the Prem means them just staying up. And they're doing exactly that. They're beating the teams that they should be beating at that lower end of the table and against those sort of like n- their nearest competitors. Um, so it, it just it sounds me yeah I don't get ex- like if you if you're in charge of if you're the owner of Bournemouth right now I don't get what else in terms of like a job interview you possibly could want out of Gary O'Neill like he's doing everything possible and he's taken you know from what was after the nine nil against Liverpool where Scott Parker basically said I just don't have the tools available to me to stay up in this league he looks a complete idiot now for, for saying that because clearly there's something there in that in that Bournemouth side that's allowing them to do this oh, but God. like you said it is against it is a, it's been a decent run of, of fixtures nevertheless but this they're just picking up points oh exactly you know, they're, they're now above the team that beat them 9-0 they are and what was quite interesting because he's come in they had the 9-0 and we said they're undefeated since then they've got they've picked up nine points from five that's really hot form and it's working. So congratulations, Gary O'Neill. It's been a fantastic start. And they I do not think they'll have to worry about relegation at all, looking at how far ahead they are of the teams that are down in that area at the bottom of the table at this point of the season. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, looking conversely for, um, or rather on the opposite end of the spectrum in regards to Leicester. Um, yeah, I mentioned that they just looked... Very, very just same old for what's been the story for, for Leicester this season. You know, just plenty of threat, grab a lead, throw it away, lack of conviction at the back and the mistakes leading to goals. You know, they remain 19th at the moment, four points from a pos- uh, from, from nine games. Um, and what seemed to be shoots of recovery after the uh, Monday night game against Forest just completely disappeared um, against Almost Bournemouth. immediately. They looked good to start. They did. You know, there was, there was some signs there that, you know, on the attack, looking good. Daka looked sharp. Mm. Um, he took his chance really well. Um, he's now he, well involved in the goals. He That's should have had two, though. Assist. I didn't even... Yeah, miss- his, yeah. yeah, his second chance. I mean, that was that was guilt-edged. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's just starting to get a bit more involvement back in the side. He came on as a goal-scoring sub against, the, uh, against Forrest, and now he got the start. Um, and he's sort of trying to help Madison, who's, who's leading the way at the moment, sort of shouldering all the um all the burden at the moment with in terms of attacking threat and he needs to do that because Vard is very much off the boil at the moment he's got a couple of assists but absolutely you know he's got no goals to to return from it either um so if he can get going then that's going to be a huge bar but again the main issue with this Leicester side at the moment is at the back and I as what was it um who scored the was it uh Christie who scored the winner wasn't it yeah so mm-hmm. when he sort of uh, was it? Did he chip it? Sort of? Or no, he didn't chip it. But he sort of um, played it through under the under the legs of Danny Ward. 
Okay. Who was the centre back for for Leicester? There was it uh, number three, Voot, uh, Voot Fez or whatever his name is. Yeah, Fez or Fez. something like that. Yeah. Like I know the ball's probably going to go over, over the line anyway, but there just seemed to be no effort there for and him he, to go. He's and actually their clear new it. signing as well. He's yeah, brand new signing. He's probably what like one of their only signings they made during the summer. Pretty much, it was one of their only. Yeah, because they signed nothing like, else, did they? I know it's probably going to go over the line anyway, but you're a team that's fighting at the bottom of the table right now. That is in all sorts of trouble. I just want to see a bit more. Yeah. And, well, we are just talking about how Bournemouth are playing well against all the teams that are in and around them or where you'd imagine would have been in and around them had they been near the bottom. But obviously yeah. they're beating those or got points from those teams. Leicester coming up next three. Um, home to Palace. Home to Lost Leeds. Friends. And away at Wolves. They are three games that suddenly become six-pointer relegation specials don't they that they've got not so much Palace because I think Palace had a good turn turnaround against Leeds but Leeds aren't looking sharp and neither are Wolves so they just need the points the pressure on these fixtures is so heavily on Brendan Rodgers at the moment it's huge this is going probably going to that's going to be um you know the give or take for for his um his reign uh at Leicester because after right that now, after that, it's then a little tough run going into the World Cup. They've got uh, playing a home to Man City, away at Everton, who, as much as I don't like Frank Lampard, Everton are picking up points, and then away at the London Stadium, which they haven't had much success at recently. So that's then they've got three games that you'd go, they should really be getting points from them. And then three games following that, you go, oh, that's quite tough for them to get points from. Yeah, I th- I think if I was if I was Brendan Rodgers or or more specifically actually if if I was a Leicester fan, I'd be looking at the game against Wolves, Palace, and Leeds and thinking at least six points, please. Yeah, and that the, well they need it where they, they are need on the it. table desperately they need it because as you say they're currently on four points in the relegation zone, and if they were to win both, that, that still doesn't get them particularly high, but no. if they're beating the teams around them, Wolves are down there. Um, and then Palace and Leeds are both on nine points each, so they would kind of catch up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't expect Palace to be down there come the end of the season. I, I think it's more more so the Leeds and the Wolves game at, at the moment. Yeah, no, completely. Um, but I, to be honest, other than the defence learning how to defend, I'm not really sure what you can do with that Leicester side, because as you say, they are scoring and creating opportunities, but... Just, it's just goals. at the back. Yep. And I don't know whether that's because the men haven't changed that much. Yes, Fafana's gone and they brought in this phase guy and Schmeichel's gone and Ward's coming. But maybe Schmeichel was pulling a lot more weight than just the saves. I know he was pretty much the boy well, was the captain for a, yep. a couple of years after Wes Morgan retired. Um, but he was on the pitch captain for quite some time. So maybe he was far more influential in that back five than uh, than we thought. Yep, 100%. And yeah, um, it's just clear that Danny Ward just doesn't have the same conviction um, as as Kasper Schmeichel in between the sticks. But I don't, I to... don't know why he's sticking with him, though. Like if, he, if he's not who that else good... It, who, who else do they have? They signed um, Iverson, Everson, um, who, admittedly, once again, not a player with too much Premier League experience, but he can't be any worse than Danny Ward at this point, can he? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, there's been some high-profile errors from Danny Ward to start start the year. Um, I think that's sort of gone a little bit 
quiet over the last sort of couple of games because it's been more clear that the actual backline itself has been just poor. So that's taken a little bit of pressure away from a bit. But again, just I, I don't have any sort of confidence in Danny Ward that he's the future Leicester number one. No, you you can just imagine that come January they'll sign someone and he'll suddenly be on the bench for the rest of the season. Yep. I don't see him being a long term prospect there. No, unless something not. magic changes. Yep. Um, well, as we said, Leicester's next couple of games are very much must wins for them. So we'll see how that plays out. But they need to turn it around very very quickly. Jesse Marsh may have had a lot to moan about Leeds' opposition last week, but he can only point fingers at his own team after they lost to Crystal Palace this weekend. They haven't won in five games, which has included two draws. Their form is the worst in the league, bar Forest. The start of the season, it looked really promising. We were praising them for their young signings and their aggressive style. But this run of form against teams they should be doing better against has been woeful from them. Um, is this just what Leeds fans can expect going forward or is this just a bit of a blip? Um, I would like to think it's a little bit of a blip. Um, to be fair, look, you, you mentioned that they haven't won since August. They had, well, they did miss a lot of games in September. Um, they, I think they went about four weeks without playing a game or something like that. Um obviously with the international break and then the two postponed features before then. Um, but away from home is just, it almost seems like a lost cause for them right now. Um, one point in four. And the trouble also for them right now is they need to be far more clinical in front of goal. I feel defensively, I don't think it's a massive issue. Not like it was under like Bielsa um, where they were conceding sort of like, you know, five every other game type thing. Um, but it, it's just in front of goal. Rodrigo's goals have dried up. He he, he was in he was injured for a little bit. Yeah, he was banging them in, then got injured because he dislocated his shoulder, didn't he? He was dislocated his shoulder, and, and, then and I think he came back last game week. Yeah, and then he's done not much since at all. And Bamford's now back in the side, and he missed a decent opportunity. Oh, that Bamford but, miss. But as we said, Bamford, you can't rely on him to. Yes, he season before last, he had a really good season, but he's just not consistent enough. And you can't really guarantee him at this point. You can't look at him and go, oh, he'll get double digits this season because he misses too many good opportunities. Like I, I look at that Bamford miss and I'm I'm just sort of screaming. If I'm, if I'm if I'm a Leeds fan, I'm screaming at the telly or you know, in my seat or whatever. I... Because you're 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 a guy who play, has played 14 total games since the start of last season and you've scored twice. Why you don't have the confidence right now. Why are you taking that effort with the outside of your boot? Well, that's the thing. It was. Why so... are you trying to be so nonchalant? Just that, that's exactly the word that came to my mind. Is he so nonchalantly tried just like yeah. flicking it with the outside of his boot past the keeper? Like, no. At that point, just drill it low and hard. Yeah. Like, just <sighs> try and stick to basics because you're obviously not banging them in right now and you've missed a lot of game time in the last two years. Just. Focus on the basics. That that's what I'd be sort of screaming, because all this sort of you know it, it would be good if it come if if it came off fantastic, brilliant. That's that's the confidence boost that you need to get you you know back in sort of in goal scoring form. But because you've missed so much game time, just 
try and keep it simple. That's yeah. all I'd ask. Exactly. The poor run of form has been... It's again, once again, around teams that they should be battling harder against and playing better against. So, yep. admittedly, their the last win was home to Chelsea in the 3-0, um, great which win. was a great win. A um, bit of a shock result, but a great win. Then lost away to Brighton, based on how Brighton playing fair. Drew one all with Everton. Not a bad result considering how no. Everton are playing. But then the 5-2 loss to Brentford... The nil-nil against Villa, and then now this two-one loss to Palace, all teams that are around in and around them at the moment, and they needed to be doing better with these games. And yeah, it's not going to get much easier for them in the next couple of weeks. They've got um, in the next game week they've got Arsenal, <laughs> then Leicester, and to be honest, that's going to be a good battle between the two. Then. Home to Fulham, then away at Anfield, and then playing Bournemouth. So, like a tough couple of fixtures in there, to be honest. Yeah, nothing that none but there that are you... some there are some points available for them if they can just get it right at the front. I think the like that that Brentford game. I think I would like to call it a little bit of a one off, just because defensively in other games this season they haven't been as poor as that. Um, I think the key thing for them at the back at the moment is just they're defending from set pieces. They've conceded uh, since I think the start of last season because you had 20 goals from uh, set pieces with only Southampton, Everton and Leicester ahead of them. So it's clearly a problem at the back for them. If they, you know, I'm, I'm just saying like minor tweets because like, like I said, I don't think defensively they've been as poor this season as they have been in, in previous years. Um, and I would sort of look more in terms of the goal scoring side of things as what could potentially help their uptick in form. I know you say that the issues are from set pieces and admittedly the first one was a goal conceded from a set piece but the second one was just poor defending. As a admittedly good goal shifted It was a good team goal to be fair. It was a good team goal but the defender just steps off him gives him so much space and just goes As as he he does him dirty. Yeah, but it's like, oh, Eze, you're on the edge of the box, you're 18 yards out. I'm not going to try and get in the way of the I'm ball. Step just step out. Just have, a, just have a shot. And he does. Yeah. He lashes it in the bottom corner. Um, doesn't give, uh, I assume it was Melier in goal, doesn't give yeah. him much of a chance, to be honest. But it was like, it's, it's almost like it's playground football and you go, oh, it's that kid's birthday. Let let him have, let him score a goal so he feels good <laughs> on his birthday. And it's almost like they did. They went, oh, Eze, come on, just have, have a shot. Go on. He'll let it in. And they but they didn't try and shut him down. It was I don't know. It was that that was poor defending. That was okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. That was poor defending. And um, it's not gonna get easier for them. Next week, home to Arsenal. That's yeah. That's a game that I probably fear for them a little bit. If they yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes. I, I don't expect a miracle turn turnaround, especially against this Arsenal side right now. Um, I, I would be looking more towards the Leicester and the Fulhams and even the Liverpools, you know, of this world who are underperforming right now. Oh, even when, like, even when, look, it took a very good Brighton side playing well to get a draw at Anfield against a poor Liverpool team. Like, there, there's, I'm just there's levels at this point. Short of Liverpool putting three in their own net, I don't see Leeds winning, firstly scoring three. Or winning that game, to be honest. Trent can't defend. Trent can't defend. Like, this is another 14 podcast, but geez, he, he would fit in some of these poor defences. 
Leicester defence, you'd go, oh, you could tell me Trent plays for them with the way they're currently defending and the way he's currently defending. They're like match made in heaven. He can't defend to save his life and neither can some of these defenders at this point. He's injured. That's very disrespectful. Oh, mm. Was he injured or was he just bought off because Klopp just wanted to save him from the embarrassment of being humiliated by Martinelli for the rest of the game? He's injured. Sure thing. Anyway. Oh, that's uh, that's our big six talk for the podcast. Yeah. In their last two games, Newcastle have scored nine and conceded just two goals. With eight points from their last five games, Newcastle are putting in the type of performances of a team that should be targeting the European places, particularly after their slow start to the season. Tom, are they the other 14 side that poses the most threat to the big six for the rest of the season? I think so. I mean, you look at the last two games, like you said, they have scored nine, but I would say at least like six or seven were probably very much gifted to them. There were some two poor poor displays by Fulham and, and Brentford. Um, you know, Brentford, I think, decided to join a, a long list of clubs at the weekend that tried to imitate the 10-11 uh, Barcelona and just ultimately failed. Uh, the amount of times they were sort of playing out from the back and just sort of being caught in possession was just r- ridiculous. Um, and, you know, Bruno's second came from, again, Brentford losing possession in their own half and, you know, pretty much summed up that the own goal was how Brentford pretty much played in that entire game. But saying that, um, Newcastle looks like a proper outfit. You know, it was a, it's been a year since, well, they were celebrating the anniversary since the takeover um, from the, uh, from the Saudi state. Oh, that banner. Did you see it? Oh, the banner. Oh, like it was the Sky Sports News kind of yep. cut out type thing with yep. the breaking news bar on the bottom. Yep, like so burn it tone deaf. It looks it looked horrendous. Like, no, no fan groups gone. Oh, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's put that out. That is just Amanda Stave like, like, going. Just... Oh, I Prince... know what I want. Yeah, print screen from like a Sky Sports like uh, uh, YouTube video, something like that, and then just attached to a banner. It, that, it genuinely when I saw it I only saw it this morning and I thought it was a piss take I that's what I thought th- when I saw I it I didn't think it was real but it it was and it's absolutely shocking like, like, imagine just unfurling that and just seeing it from the other end just thinking what just why like, could you imagine like if you're the printing company and you get that order through and you're going what the bloody hell is this doesn't matter you're probably making a mint uh, no you probably are but it just so it <laughs> It was just so bad. Oh. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, lo- yeah. Back to like the games. You, yeah, like like you said, um, I I do think that you know they Newcastle will be the team because where are they now? They're like uh, they, are, they are currently sitting in sixth. They're sitting so in sixth. Played nine, fourteen points, same amount of points as Brighton, but Brighton do have a game in hand. Yep. Um. So, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it, they're, those two are two of the teams that we said would be fighting it out up there and yeah. they very much are at this point. And it, it's been it's been a bit of a good turnaround in form because not that Newcastle have been in poor form you'd say, but they just they've been drawing a lot of games. I think it was um what was it five uh yeah five draws in six before the um before the win against Fulham last week. Yeah so they they've drawn yeah drawn the five games this season one three drawn five and only lost the one game and that was against Liverpool. Yeah. So and that Liverpool away at Anfield, and they had 
a goal. I know it was yeah. a last last minute, pretty much a last minute goal anyway. And they it? had a very questionable offside disallowed. It was, didn't they, um, for yeah. um, Isak? So, yeah. Like their performances are starting to kind of accelerate a little bit and where we thought they should be. We said a couple of weeks ago their start has been sluggish, um, but they're turning it around significantly at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And the scary thing was also that I think they still have Isak to come or Isak to come back. Um, I think Sat Maxman is back now from injury. If I'm yeah, if I'm I think right, he came on as a, I think he might have come on as a substitute, maybe. Um, but I definitely remember hearing his name on the radio coverage. Yeah, but then yeah, it's been a real uptick. Yeah, Brentford. Thing is, Brentford aren't a bad side, but their form's got a little shaky. But five goals in in terms of the game itself, you're right. Brentford gifted them as much as Fulham did the week week previous with their very early red card. Brentford decided to just let him have the win as well. It was most yeah, bizarre. I mean, apart from the, um, I mean, he, he, even the first goal, the um, Trippier cross to Bruno at the back stick and just the powerful head of, um, sort of on the far side of is uh, Raya as the um, yeah. Brentford keeper, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, even that's just sort of leaving Bruno in empty space at the back stick. Like all five of those goals, if sort of marshaled correctly, are avoidable. So I think all of those goals could have just, you know, Thomas Frank must have been ripping his hair out um, at, at that game, just thinking just in terms of the side that we saw pummel Manchester United at the start of the year, that is just, you know, that's chalk and cheese between that. I know we, Brentford obviously have it in them to, to pull off that kind of performance. And I think we said after the uh, Man United game that don't expect this all the time from Brentford. There can be some dodgy results. And yeah. obviously and this weekend was. To be honest, they have hit that bit of downturn. Their downturn. They've only got one win well, in the last five. They beat Leeds five. a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? Yeah, uh, and there has been a loss draw loss since then. So yeah, it's not been great from them. So those games, what? They were Newcastle. Um, so those games were Newcastle, uh, lost to Newcastle, drew with Bournemouth. Lost to Arsenal, um, and then they beat Leeds five two. Then won all draws with Palace and Everton, and before that was then a loss to Fulham. Like it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a sketchy run of form, and I think Thomas Frank will want to stop that in its tracks now before it sort of gets out of hand a little bit. I don't expect Brentford to be. Yeah, we mentioned it on the um, on the preview pod about whether or not Brentford can sort of avoid the um the second season syndrome and I from what we saw it's like right at the beginning of the season, you know, Tony's on fire. Well he's, he scored again and it was a penalty but he's penalty again this week. Um yeah I think what will help them as well is that there are just worse teams than in the league. Yeah I think this absolutely is, this is very much a blip from them like against Newcastle they just didn't click they didn't play well they gifted no, the game. Nothing, nothing came off. It wasn't that they were significantly outplayed they just didn't turn up. No, they, they, it was just a really bad day at the office for them. Just didn't show up, like you said. So, um, but um, they're currently sitting mid table still. So, and losing to Newcastle, her in sixth, isn't, isn't an embarrassment. The, the five is, I think, the five will be the disappointing. If they'd lost 2 1 or 3 1, they probably would have gone fair enough. We just weren't at it. But 5 1 is a bit of a humbling and does it, it, it's humbling and it was. It wasn't like a, a 5-1 where it was like, oh, well, we were a little bit unlucky and, you know, some of those goals could have been, you know, they were just, they were good and, you know, we, we didn't deserve it type thing. 
they deserved it because just they, they were just gifting you know it was like christmas for newcastle they were just oh, being some gifted. of those pass outs from the back like one where raya plays it and pretty much callum wilson pinches it yeah. straight off the boot it's it's so poor there's a, there's a time and a place to try it and mm. i just think they got it completely wrong obviously yeah. and, it, and, it, and it cost them yeah well to be honest our uh our last week's winner of um, goal of the week, Miguel Amuron, got another goal. Um, got another goal and banging in the goal. Exactly. CC, um, CC Jack Grealish. Yeah, he's a real hot streak at the moment. And yeah. it's really good for them as well, particularly as they have had issues with forwards being injured, like Isak was out, St. Maximum was out. Wilson's never consistent enough. Well, because he Wilson's not consistent enough because he's injured quite a injured lot. Injured quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, and then Chris Wood just hasn't been all... Well, he hasn't really been there. They haven't used him that much and he hasn't really done much on the pitch. So, um, yeah, but it seems to be working. Eddie Howe, remarkable job so far, don't you think? Yeah, doing really well. Um, I think I quickly looked at his... Um... Looked at his managerial record for for Newcastle so far, and I think that was thirty eight games in charge now. So effectively a full Premier League season. That's seventeen wins for him as well. That is good form. Like so that, you know, that's just. I think it was a tick on tick under forty five percent in terms of um, in terms of win percentage. So for a Newcastle side that typically in the last well, God, two decades, apart from sort of one under the French Revolution of Pardew, have been typically down in the bottom half of the table and obviously being relegated to the championship times, as well yeah. a couple of times. That's solid. That's solid for Newcastle. Obviously they've had the, the backing from the new ownership and everything like yeah, that. There's no denying that the money has been a significant influence. Yeah. But, 100%. but still they've, they picked the right man for the job. I know that there was a couple of managers so. linked to them and there was big names being touted and everyone kind of went, Oh really? Eddie Howe? Is that really as aspirational as we want? But, no, but I, I'm to be honest, he's, he's done a really good job with yeah. them. And he's sort of doing that similar sort of mire as sort of like the Graham Potters of the world, you know, having a, a you know good good run at Brighton and now has been given this uh, huge opportunity at Chelsea. Eddie Howe, the similar type thing with, with Bournemouth, obviously didn't quite sort of work out for him in the end, uh, ended up being relegated um, as part of that a few years ago. And But, you know, now given the opportunity... To get back into management with this um, with this Newcastle side, you know, a year year ago, this you know um, this Newcastle side were uh, on the back of a two undefeat to Wolves at Molyneux, winless in seven games to start the season and nineteenth in the table. Like that year turnaround has just been huge. But it's been a massive turn of form for them. Yeah, and but, I mean, at- there's a lot to be said about sort of billions and billions and billions of pounds being sort of pumped into you. But anyway, it. That's yeah, sort of beside well, the point. Exactly. And, um, well, with um, their former manager, did you see that he's been relieved of his duties at West oh, Brom? Stevie Bruce. Yeah, Stevie Bruce was sacked from West Brom, I think, yeah. just today um, for being being shit, <laughs> to be honest. Wolves? Look, Wolves are looking for a manager. Yeah. He sees Stevie Bruce. He, he loves it. He loves a... Um, he, loves, he loves the Midlands. It's a um, black country uh, job, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves a brum. He loves a brummy job, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Is, is there anyone in that anyone in that region that he hasn't managed yet? What was um, it? West Brom. He's done Birmingham. He's done Villa as well, haven't he? Has he yeah, done, he did Birmingham, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he did. Yeah, he did. He did, uh, he did Birmingham, and then he did Villa when they were in the Championship. Um, that was it. So he's managed. Okay. Oh, so Sheffield United, right? Uh, Huddersfield, Wigan. So that's a bit bit further north. 
then Palace. So, oh, he ventured into London, bless him. Then Birmingham, Wigan again, Sunderland, northeast, Hull, northeast, Villa, Sheffield. So hang on, he's done Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. He loves doing the rivals. He's done Birmingham and he's done Villa and he's done West Newcastle Brom. and he's done Sunderland. And yeah, he's now also done the West Brom. Oh. Wow, hang on. He might as well do Wolves hang now. On. Well, he's he might as well do Wolves, but he's done Palace, which means he needs to go and manage um, Brighton. Yeah, Brighton. Since that, that's a weird derby. Don't that's get that's it. a weird but, derby. Yeah, but yeah, he'd go around forever, couldn't he? Bless him. So let's get back to to Newcastle being good. Well, let's round it off. Newcastle playing really well. Brentford slight down to in form. Um, Frank's a good enough manager, and I do think they've got a good enough squad. They, I think it's just been a poor couple of weeks from them, to be honest. So, yeah, I think that'll turn around quickly. Um, looking at the next couple of games, tough one against Brighton, tough one against Chelsea, and then they've got a nice run of three games against Villa, Wolves, and Forest. So, yeah, I think they just need to see it through. Yeah, exactly. And then before. Well, they they do. To be honest, they do need to get some points from Villa, Wolves, and Forest because then their two games just. Oh well, then their game before the World Cup yeah. is away at the Etihad, which is. Um, you almost uh, just mark down as an instant loss now. Uh, well, yeah, I think yeah. most teams will be marking that immediately down. No one's. If any team does get three, if any team from the other fourteen gets three points from. The Etihad, I'll be absolutely amazed. Because I'll be buzzing. It, it it's ridiculous right now. It just it just cannot be done. Um, which is a shame. We, um, which is a shame. But looking at the teams that have gone there so it's far, it's just a situation this, right now. Looking at the teams that have gone there so far this season, um, Bournemouth lost four nil. Uh, Palace lost four two. Southampton Forest lost lo- Forest lost six <laughs> nil. And then, yeah, then it's Southampton losing 4-0. Um, and then next team to go there. Who's from, next up? Next up from the other 14 who is going to the Etihad is Brighton on the 22nd of October. And then... Favourites of the pod. Exactly. So we're, we'll all be supporting Brighton that day. But yeah, uh, it's a little bit of a cheat code there, isn't it? And... Oh, you can't really knock it. They're doing no. like, at the end of the day. As much as we don't like talking about them, and their and their fans are a nightmare as well because they've got no real history in since the money takeover. Yeah, but most other teams, I know everyone would go, "Oh no, I wouldn't." But realistically, if everyone else had billionaire takeover and they started winning trophies, pretty much everyone would be as insufferable as anyone else. So, oh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we get you sometimes. And I don't think any team would turn around and go, "Oh no." I wouldn't want Haaland in my team at the moment. <laughs> Everyone would snatch up. Imagine I don't if know what I'm had... going to do next week. Imagine if Wolves had Haaland. They might actually be able to score a goal. If they can change Diego Costa into a Haaland? He just needs to grow about a foot and get about 10 miles an hour faster in sprint speed. Yeah, has he got any Norwegian links or Scandinavian links in him? I don't know. He already milked the international scene, didn't he? He was Brazilian. Then was like, no, actually, I'm Spanish, lads. I'm Spanish. Yeah, get me in. So, Tom, last week we had quite the discussion about possible managerial sacking rumours. Not that we want any of them to be sacked. We no, want them to all not. turn around form and be phenomenal. No. But we mentioned Rogers, we mentioned Gerard, 
we mentioned Hassan Hootel and also Bruno Lager's departure from Wolves. Um, but one thing we didn't expect was a contract extension for Steve Cooper with Forrest. We thought he was very much in trouble, but on Friday, the 7th of October, Forrest released a surprising statement telling the world that they had extended Cooper's contract until 2025. Is this a Pardew-level mistake or is this good business? I, from the standpoint of the fans, I think they absolutely love him up there. So I think from all of the sort of Forest fans that I I know and, you know, the, the likes of, you know, Stuart Broad on, on Twitter was absolutely vocal in his backing of Steve. This, this seems like it's got the backing of the fans, which ultimately is the main thing. From a footballing perspective, I think it's also a good thing. It gives that continuity that this Nottingham Forest side, which are very much as a unit, is still in its infancy right now. We know we've mentioned many times about the number of players who've signed this this summer, and it's going to need a coach that clearly, you know, of, of caliber that, that Steve Cooper, I think, clearly has. He's going to need some time to get to grips with that side. I think it basically just puts all the side talk about whether or not Steve Cooper is coming or going all to one side for the time being, and they can just purely focus on getting the football going. But I, I know in theory that's the case, but you can't tell me as if, if they went six small games without any points that they're not going to sack him anyway. But then it's also modern football and signing a new contract sometimes means absolutely shite. Yeah, like so... for for a ma- for a player it does, but for a yeah. manager, realistically, means absolutely nothing. They they will no. still get rid of you and pay you off because the cost of pay- paying out a manager is nowhere near compared to like the financial power that they put to players. No. And, and and I mean, we've seen that you know during the summer financial issue, like finance wise, that's not an issue. It's not for, for, for them. It's so, not an obstacle. Yeah, saying at... that they they still don't have a they still don't have a shirt sponsor, which is weird. Yeah, but that's because he wants more money than they're prepared to get. So, yeah. uh, in terms of Forest so far this season, so admittedly, they've only played eight games and not the nine as most others have. Four points, so same as Leicester, joint bottom in terms of points. They've then conceded 21 goals, which is the 19th worst in the league. I'd imagine and that's the then. Best. Yep, yeah, who's conceded 24. And then they've only scored six goals, which puts them tied 19th, well, tied 18th worst in the league there, with the only team having scored less than them being Wolves. And Wolves have only scored three goals in nine games. Um, in there, they've had a, a lot of losses, but lost to Newcastle. They beat West Ham, drew with Everton, and we thought, oh, Forrest are doing well. Then lost to Spurs, lost to City, lost to Bournemouth, lost to Fulham, and then lost to Leicester. And then, um, as we're talking now, the game against Aston Villa hasn't kicked off yet. Are they going to get a, a new manager contract bounce in going into the, this Villa game? The Villa, who only ever scored one goal. So, but, yeah, but... Forest and Villa have currently scored the same amount of goals this season, both on six. So Forest are just as bad in the goal scoring department as as Gerrard's men. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, I, I I just think we 
Whereas the Villa side have been together for quite some time now and Jared has had basically a year and a half, well, just over a year, I think, to, to work with his squads. Steve Cooper hasn't had a lot of time to work and I think there is still a lot to be said about the whole squad chemistry. Um, that being said, you know, yeah, again, the goal scoring record for them hasn't been fantastic. The Jesse Lingard sign-in, for one, doesn't appear to have worked whatsoever. Like, has, has he got an assist or a goal? Yeah, I don't... I think, I don't he, think, I think he got the assist in their win against West Ham. But right. I'm going to say it wasn't an intentional assist. It kind of just bounced all yeah, over the, the place. Yeah, the one you sort of goal was just basically just a bundle into the back of the net. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, um, so half the, an assist. Beyond that, I'm not really sure of his impact. Yeah, I mean, his, if you look sort of like in comparison to what his impact was when he made the loan move to West Ham a couple of seasons ago, in comparison to what he is as a player now and like an influence, like... He was doing bits at West Ham, even by himself. It wasn't. He obviously he was. He was molding quite well inside the squad and the team, but some of the goals that he was bagging in was just like just individual magic. Whereas for this Forest side, you don't seem to see his influence at the moment. No, not at all. Um, which is really disappointing because he was like, as much as they did bring in twenty odd players, yeah, he was one of the big players to bring in. Morgan he was the Gib- stand-up players. Morgan Gibbs-White with the amount of money in that deal. You're was... expecting these players to step up. And then they broke their transfer. Uh, they then signed two D- well, two strikers for a fair amount of money as well in all of that. Um, and uh, Oreo at the back, I think they spent a bit of money on as well. Or was he a free, day- free agent? I can't remember. Who was that, sorry? Serge Oreo. Oh, he was a free agent. He was released yeah. from Villarreal, maybe, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just going back to him getting a new contract. I do get it that it's there to remove one more distraction, but I don't think by any means it fixes it because so I, I think getting a new contract means nothing compared to if the if the owner was to actually come out and say he will be in a job until like if there was yeah. a statement alongside it. Um, it, is it like the, the preemptive sort of mockers on him? We have faith in the manager type statement. Yeah, as soon as anyone gets, oh, the board have complete faith in the manager. Well, the manager, manager's gone in in yeah. two weeks, isn't he? Um, I don't know. I just at this point of their form and games they've got lined up, I just don't think. I just don't think they're going to get much more out of these games. And suddenly you're looking at a club that's gone, oh, well, we've lost uh, we've lost at least the last five. Let's give our man- new manager a contract. Oh, we've gone and lost another three. It's yeah. Just, it, you then start to go, are they just really badly run? And is that yeah. part of the problem? But I think sort of looking at it from a, a fan's perspective, they're obviously clearly happy that he's gone on and signed the extension, which, you know, clearly this season hasn't gone particularly his plan right now they're not you know no one wants to be sort of where are they now they're like 18th 17th something like that um no, they are boss they are glued to the bottom of the table oh, glued to, oh so the bottom of the table yep yeah. Uh, yeah so, so they, yeah. they've got the same so points as yeah. leicester they've just got a goal difference that's six worse than them yeah um, so, so they're a minus 15 goal difference so obviously it's not the start that any forest fan would have wanted you know no one wants to sort of say oh after eight games in you know we'll be bottom of the table but it'll be fine type thing 
Um, it's clearly not, you know, not fine. Things aren't going to plan right now. But it's good to see that the fans are still backing the manager, which, you know, for him to now be rewarded with his contracts, I think as soon as, like, you know things aren't going well when then the fans start getting on your back. And I think that's clearly not the case right now. True, but fans are very fickle. They are fickle, but you, you look the, at, forest, you, the, forest, the Forest fans have been through a lot. Um, yeah, they, they have. The recent history, for them to sort of now be back in the big time after, what, 20-odd years, it it was never, I don't think it was ever going to be plain sailing. And I think I, I mentioned it at the start of, or well, at the start of our um, of our shows that I felt it might have been a season too early for Forest coming up. And it does sort of feel like that's going to be the case. True. But for them, I mean, you know, uh, when Burnley first came up under Deitch, they got, did they get relegated first season? They stuck with him. Yeah, they, they got relegated pretty soon after they came up. Um, and then and Norwich, back, yeah. yeah, Norwich typically under, um, who was their last manager? Um, Barker. Barker, yeah. They got relegated with him, and he he brought them straight back up. Um, and, and then, what did they do to him? Oh, they did they did sack him. But my my point is that he went a full season with them in charge, didn't lose his job, and then. True, but I don't um, think any of their starts were as bad as this Forest start. No. But... Okay, so currently looking at, so the two teams at the bottom of the table are Leicester and Forest, both on four points. Which one will stay up if one of them does? Leicester. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know, but it's it's oh, uh, it's just nice seeing just a little bit of backing for a manager. Oh, uh, I no, no, I do, and I don't, I don't, and this, I do not want him sacked. No. Um. But I just think it's it's more about the weird timing of the contract. Yeah. Because you can't tell me it's, at this yeah, point. Yeah, especially to twenty five as well. Just because I because it's a what an extra two and a half years. Yeah. I think he. I don't think his contract was due to expire this summer. No. So I I don't think he would have been pushing for a new contract. So why the club then giving him one? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, it's it's just all a bit weird. But then it's, Forest yeah. this season, it's all just been weird. It's been a weird and wonderful world. Yeah. So good luck to Steve Cooper. Once. It's weird. Well, every week I turn around and go, oh, good luck to this team, good luck to that team. I genuinely want all the teams to do well. Um, three of them do have to go down at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. Three of them have to go down, but I'm hoping it's through the big six. Uh, Liverpool are halfway there. So, but yeah, three, I know three of them have to go down and it'll be like losing three children, I guess. But then in the case of Norwich, we will see them come back from the dead. Yes. Uh, so, reason. speaking of which... Are we going to be onto something? Because Norwich have started to pick up some form, and yeah, but Fulham aren't going down, are they? Exactly, Fulham are very mid-table right now. But okay, okay, we say this: Fulham are doing well, and we're at nine games in, or they are. And I know that it's all very close at the bottom. To be fair, I haven't looked at the championship for a while. Fulham are only five points from the relegation zone. No, I think I think this is the year that 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 breaks. I'm I'm confident that this is the year that breaks that it breaks. But Norwich have to go up for that to count anyway. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, three teams have to get relegated. I know early early on in the season, or sorry, in our preview pod, I said Forest would stay up. I then think I backed for Bournemouth to go down, Fulham to go down, and Leeds to go down. I think with the three that I said. Um, 
I think I, I think said Bournemouth, I, Fulham, and Southampton. No, what did oh, I say? Maybe it's Southampton or Everton. I think I might have. We're going to have to go back to our. Still, we'll have to dig out still our original. Look, yeah. Still don't know Frank Lampard. Oh, I'm very wrong at the moment. I thought Leicester would be fine. I didn't think Wolves would be a problem. And Forest, obviously, very in there as well with those two. So it's the Prem. Anything can happen. Exactly. Anything can happen. Thank you, Ellie Golden. So, but yeah, new five year deal. Not bad for Cooper. Um, maybe, maybe he just negotiated a. Uh, a big payout clause. If if that's the case, then good job, Steve. Yeah, well done, Steve. And a little bit of breaking news that we received uh, just today. We are recording this pod on the Monday. Brighton's Enoch Mwepu has sadly been forced uh, into early retirement at the age of 24 after being diagnosed with a hereditary heart condition. A uh, statement from Brighton on the Monday morning uh, said that he um, is at extremely high risk of suffering a fatal cardiac arrest should he continue playing competitive football. Um, Enoch fell ill while on a flight to link up with his uh, Zambia teammates in the international break last month um, and came back to Brighton to undergo further tests after being in hospital in Mali for a sustained period of time. Um, Enoch has released a statement um, on his social media saying that um, a boy from a small Zambian township called uh, Chambishi uh, has some news to share. He stood strong to follow his dream of playing football at the highest level and by the grace of God, he lived his dream by reaching the Premier League. Some dreams, however, come to an end. So it is with sadness that I announced the need to hang up my boots because of the medical advice I have received. This is, however, not the end of my involvement with football. I plan to stay involved in some capacity. I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone that supported me in my football journey, including my wife and my family, my agent 12 man, the Zambian FA, all my previous clubs, teammates, coaches, and especially everyone, everyone at Bryson. Obviously a very, very sad uh, situation, um, but we obviously wish him well. And um, obviously um glad that he's very much still with us at the time being, because it, it sounds very much, um, you know, a, a very, um, awful situation that he's been forced into right now but clearly his health has to take priority oh absolutely and it must be it must be extremely serious because obviously it's it's great that it's been picked up now rather than him having a serious incident yeah but you look at other players that have had cardiac incidents um in recent years and you look at um you look Moamba and then obviously Christian Eriksen um is back playing and yep. obviously they're able to have, put some sort of stent into his heart to allow him to yeah um it's just obviously must be quite serious that they, that isn't even an option for uh for Mwepu yeah. and um, you feel like that is that's he's such a young man and, and yeah. for his career to such a gone. player as well I mean he scored a banger against um I remember you know uh unfortunately he scored a, a banger against Liverpool um, last season um you know forced it over over the top of Allison and just you know, some player just yeah, really, really sad news. Yeah, it's, that. it's gutting for him, but you know, as we say, he his health. I'm sure, everyone first. agrees that his his health takes priority. Um, just just shame for Brighton that he's yep. clearly there's something of a talent, and they won't be able to um, yep. get anything from him for the rest of the season. So or or ever. So, oh. um, yeah, yep. good good luck to him. It'll be good that, and I imagine Brighton or a club will keep him on in some sort of coaching capacity. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. We um, we wish him the best. Yeah, wish him all the best. And now over to the listeners' favourite part of the show. It's Stats Corner. And welcome 
to Stats Corner. Tom, tell us, what do you have for us this week? So, Reese, um, it's a sort of a quick one this week, um, but in analysing the games from the weekend, um, a stat popped up that is, you know, one of those stats that you sort of have to do a double take on when you see it. This goes back to the Newcastle-Brentford game, and it was a stat that I saw regarding Brentford. It clearly wasn't the best of weekends for Brentford, as we've already discussed so far. But with his penalty, Ivan Tony has now converted 21 successive penalties. You have to go back to his Peterborough days, honourable first mention on the pod, big up the posh, in League One four years ago when he last missed from the spot. So naturally, discovering this, it led me down a, uh, a rabbit hole, as all Stats Corner um, features tend to do, of penalty scoring streaks. So when it comes to the Ooh. Premier League... Yeah, I know. I know. This was a, this was a deep rabbit hole. Uh, when it comes to the Premier League, the best streak we have seen is by the man who was renowned for his penalty-taking ability. Yes, Matt Letizia. It okay. was Letizia, yes. Uh, I've got some... I've got some in my mind of like really good penalty takers who I assume have good records. Yeah. But whether... Depending on when, when their blips were, um, I'm not so sure. Um... So, not that I want to derail this, but in my mind, I know that Mark Noble was very good at penalties. Leighton Baines was. Alan Shearer was. And in particular... Shearer was very good. I remember Robin Van Persie as well having a pretty good streak with penalties as well. Van Persie, I didn't see sort of specifically come... So, we're going on about Matt Letizia, who went on a run of 23 successful spot kicks. So, you know... Is that just in the Premier League or is that all... Like this... Go on. So, yeah, so not to mention that Letiz also scored 48 out of a possible 49 penalties. But I hear you say that, you know, Tony with his 21, Letizia with his 23 streak means Tony's just too short of tying the top flight record, right? Um, I, I've, I've just, sorry to burst your bubble, but um, yeah, Tony's streak of 21, but unfortunately only seven so far have come from the Prem. Um, so he's still a way off um, Letiz's record. But I think the only other player who has a Premier League penalty scoring streak of anything greater than 15, apart from the Tiz, is Mo Salah, who um, Salah went on a really good run um, just after he joined the club. Um, and I think, I don't know what it ended up at. Um, obviously, when he um, joined the 15 club, that was, I think, back in 2019, if I remember rightly. Um, but then again, sort of 21 straight from... Uh, Ivan Tony is nothing to be sniffed at. I think um, best streak I sort of came across on the search for um, penalty scoring streaks was uh, Robert Lewandowski, who had a streak of 31 successive straight penalties between 2015 and 2018. I was going to say in the Bundesliga, he must be scoring them every five minutes, given the amount of goals he did score there. So in what, three three seasons there? Yeah. Is. I mean, that's that's total penalties, but, you know, 31 straight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the amount also is the amount in which they receive them. It's like sweets at Halloween, uh, like Bayern Munich and getting penalties in uh, in the Bundesliga. So that that doesn't surprise me so much that it was him scoring that many because it's a phenomenal player, but also he had the most opportunity to build on that. Well, if you look yeah. at Brentford, if you look at the amount of time they have the ball in the opposition's area to actually win a penalty, it would be yeah. significantly less than. Um, but obviously, Tony then does convert, which is phenomenal. 
yeah, I mean, total penalties is one thing, but for for a streak, it, it doesn't really matter if you're sort of mm. in in and around the box or not. Completely. You know? Um, so yeah, naturally now that I've mentioned that I'm frightened that I've put the mockers on Ivan Tony, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye on how he gets on from the spot in the future. Um, you know, Thomas Frank also said that he was one of the um, I think after he got his 16th straight, that he was, as far as Thomas Frank was concerned, one of the best penalty takers that he's ever seen. Because even the likes of you know uh, Messi and Ronaldo have never been on a streak like that. Um, so naturally, I guess, Reese, with this knowledge now of Tony's penalty prowess. Would Gareth be silly not to take him on the plane? As it's naturally going to come to penalties for England. I think he's probably in the best position to be the backup striker anyway, given the form of fellow forwards and out-and-out strikers. So you look at Kane, obviously he's going. Um, and then look at the other England strikers like we did the other week. Bamford, no. No. DCL, no. Mm, no. Wilson, no. Ings, no. Watkins, no. He's kind. Of, he's already. He's already my choice as a second striker. I think he has to be. So, and with that penalty record. But then, if you're playing for, if you're playing that, let are we going to go to penalties? Um, Dean Henderson, even though he's conceded a million goals with this Forest defence, he is the best penalty saver in the league. He is the best penalty saver, and I think also again naturally, I think Henderson will go. But, but yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I, I think Tony will be in that squad. I just like to think that Gareth would be, I think if it does come to a penalty shootout, he will, if he doesn't have Tony on the pitch already, he will start to think, maybe I should get Tony on. Because again, coming off the bench is not a bad option. No, not at all. Um, I think he, he is a good option. Um, and particularly for a penalty shootout. Uh, so that's an incredible run he's been on. Um, that's an amazing run. Oh yeah, I, I was sort of shocked when I saw that. It was like just, it's sort of difficult to sort of put your head into perspective, you know, 21 straight and he hasn't missed one since like 2018. I think he's only missed like maybe one in his entire career, like 25 from 26. Uh, And in terms of, um, in terms of who's currently beating him with Latisse's record, uh, to be honest, I don't really care for Latisse. I know that he was a legend at the time, but he's an absolute nutter now who has nothing good to say. So, for all his records, I don't really care about his records and him as a player because he's gone off the deep end into the crazy pool. Yes, um, I, I had used stronger words in my uh, in my notes prior to this, but I, I thought of um, I thought against it and just um, yeah, sort of dimmed it down a little bit. But yeah, um, completely right. Fantastic record for Tony, and like I said, I hope I haven't put the mockers on him that the next time he steps up from the spot, um, he you know messes up but you know fingers crossed he just keeps it going so looking at um looking at the teams coming up that they've got to play so brighton chelsea and villa all need to be careful not to concede a penalty because then it's almost guaranteed it will be hitting the back of the net yeah um i mean there's a whole um article on the athletic uh, from the athletic um that have basically done an entire piece analyzing his technique and it's actually quite a decent read i would definitely recommend it to anyone who's got a spare sort of five minutes or so well, we did say um, in the preview that Brentford will be will be absolutely fine as long as Tony's scoring this season, and uh, it's good that if they gets can... a penalty a game. He's fine. Well, it's good. Well, it's good that they can guarantee so much on when they do win a penalty for him to be putting them away. So um, nice going, Ivan. Some say this award is positively discriminating towards Newcastle. Others say Wolves will never win this for a second half winner. All I know is it's time for Goal of the Week. 
goal of the week. Tom, Newcastle got five, West Ham got three. So you've got a good amount to pick from this week. What sizzlers caught your eye in game week 10? Right, so I've got a couple in the shortlist. Um, Newcastle do feature, um, like they always tend to do, because, you know, Newcastle do score bangers. Um, I do have a, a goal from the um, from the West Ham game. You will not be surprised that it's Skimaka um, with his little chip. Um, two, slight... two, two, two contending goals for him in uh, two weeks. Yep. Uh, and Luca's doing something right. contestion of maybe a little bit of handball in there. So this is really interesting. So um, being at the game, when they when he scored the goal, he didn't run off and celebrate. Yeah, it was a weird one. He because just he stood still. But I think because he thought he was doing like some sort of Mario Bellatelli type shit. He was just basically just like not reacting to it. No, so I think that was because he thought he was offside, but the right back or the right sided defender, whoever was over on that side. Was play was level with him, but he was so clear of the centre back. So that's why yep. I think he thought he was offside and didn't celebrate. So when we're in the stadium, we see him just standing there. Like the fans celebrate for a little bit when they see the ball hit the back of the net, but the players don't really do anything. They don't really react because Skamaka doesn't react. Um, then it goes to then we wait a while. Then it goes to VAR and then it goes VAR checking for offside, and we're like, oh okay. And then it goes no offside, and we're like, oh that's good. And he goes, oh, given. VAR, checking for handball. <laughs> and they were like, like really? Um, so obviously it was given. Looking at it, I don't, I don't think it's handball because you see how much he tucks his hat, like he actively yep. tucks his hand, arm into he's the in side of his body. very sort of, na- well, and, I say natural, but yeah. Well, as natural, he's trying to get out of the Pencil way of the ball. Type, yeah. And if anything, the ball maybe grazes his like elbow yeah. and forearm like yeah. the tiniest amount but his first touch and then his finish but the, yeah were the really good exceptional like, so absolutely sold leno put him down on the floor it was um it was incredible so yeah goal gets then, given so he's when it was given he then went off like an absolute oh yeah he went into, absolute into the crowd yeah absolutely respect it. it so that's two from two from him so um so yeah he's on the shortlist Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned, yeah, Bruno, um, his second goal against Brentford, where yeah, he did win the ball back in you know, in Brentford's half, and then just a driven effort um, past Raya. Um, Iwobi's goal against United features, you know, a guy who doesn't score that many. Um, in, you know, he's not like great in front of goal. Um, but a we mentioned actually Iwobi at the start of the um a couple of episodes ago, being um JJ Okocha's nephew, I think, or so, it was oh, nice. some form of relation to JJ Okocha. So we have mentioned Iwobi earlier on this season. Um, and then Pereira against West Ham. Um, that however, a really good finish from him. Um, he, he he won't be getting it. I'll just I'll put that out now as as punishment for his dumb block on Dawson to give away the penalty. So you know, there's the rules. That that was it was dumb. It was it was dumb. It was so funny to watch. It was so it was so, so, pain so, was so the, the whole process, like the whole situation, was hilarious because first of all they end up on the floor. Yep. and the ref has a word and goes, "Stop this nonsense!" Like there's no point in it. So then they step away. And then Dawson makes his little like weaving run on the edge of yeah. the box. And once again, Pereira's all over him. And it's like, well, this is just like the rest of the rest stops him again and goes, Yeah, stop this, or I'll give a penalty. Yeah. And so he goes, All right. And then he goes 
And this time, when Dawson makes the third run into the box, uh, Harrison Reed also goes, I'm going to get in on this. So they both try and block him. Pereira's hugging him around the waist and he goes down. It was the easiest... It was, it was one of the easiest nothing. penalties. Yeah. And I don't think refs give enough of when there's uh, grabbing in the box like no, that. No, I want him to get that and, more because it happens too much. But it it was it was exceptionally stupid from the man. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he scored a good goal. But he he great goal, but... it as a punishment. You know, Dems the rules. <laughs> it was so stupid. And I, I, I rule with an iron fist. He will not be getting the goal. Fair um, And then, uh, last but not least, um, Eze's goal against Leeds. You know, we mentioned it earlier on, but what a team goal. It was what a quality a and a quality finish, like the driven, like driven low hard into the corner. Didn't give the just keeper so a chance. Just so satisfying, you know, yeah. and at Selhurst Park with, the, you know, ground's going to be bouncing and just the fans going mm. absolutely mental, just limbs all over the place. And, and Eze being in my fantasy team made me very happy. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm glad that he did because, you know, he doesn't feature in mine. So maybe that's just... Saying you know, that, I, I, had, I had Pereira, but he was on my bench. Like, you had Pereira Billing. and Billing on the bench. So, you, yeah. know, that's, you know, it's just shy I, from you. I'm a genius. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've mentioned, obviously, those names. So, yeah, Eze, Bruno, um, Pereira, uh, Skamaka and Wobi. Um, I just, yeah, I think, you know, Skamaka, fantastic chip. Very, very nice to watch. Just had... I think the VAR sort of um, whole scenario just sort of ruined it a little bit. It took a little bit of a gloss off because it was just like, just if you score that sort of goal and just sort of know it's you know clean, just celebrate straight away and just, yeah, it sort of took a little bit of the gloss off. Iwobi's was was great, but it was sort of in a losing effort. Um, Bruno's was, you know, great, great shot. And, you know, he, he, he scores, he'll probably score loads of those this year. Um, just the sort of player he is in a, in a 5-1 um, uh, win against Brentford, but I'm going to give it to Eze. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't. You didn't seem like you were going to go with that, and I, you I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to Eze just because I, I you know, I like, I love that goal. Just everything. That's what, for my sort of viewpoint, uh, looking at that Palace side under Vieira, um, it was that that goal was just like a chef's kiss, and that's just exactly what I expect from that Palace side. It was a lovely build-up play. You know, Edward held up the ball um, from a sort of long pass into him, then uh, places it off to Mitchell. Mitchell then drives it straight into Zaha, and then backhills it to Eze. We've mentioned the defending already, but then the little jink to basically just sell the defender and just make him look absolutely stupid, and then just to drive it past um, Melier into the. Um, into the bottom corner, just yeah, um, fantastic goal, really good build up, um, and summed up a good Palace performance. So, who are a team on the rise, hopefully, um, after a sort of okay, well, sort of a shaky start, we'll say, you know, one win in seven. I think it's fully deserved. So, yeah, my goal of the week goes to Eberichi Eze. Well, it is a good pick from a good bunch, and it was a really good goal. As much as I do think Leeds slightly gifted it to them, um, it was still a really good solid strike from him from outside the box, so it's always pretty when they go in. Well, moving now on to our Fab Four predictions game. Um, Tom, after the highs of last week, where you absolutely smashed it and narrowed the gap down between us quite significantly... Um, oh, thank is- you. It was pretty poor by both of us this week, with both of us only getting the one point each, which I'm not going to 
blame us. It's not our fault. It's the no, it's, no, it's never. Played. No, it's yeah, it's the teams. It's always the yeah. teams. So we, we did have a stinker, to be fair. Well, you did have a stinker, but let, let's blame the teams involved. So, yep. um, looking at the first game, Newcastle v Brentford, we both said Newcastle would win. You put two one. I put three one. Um, I don't think neither of us were expecting Brentford to be that bad, though. Well, we weren't expecting them to gift five goals to Newcastle. No. I was expecting Newcastle to have to score three goals, yeah. but instead they absolutely gifted them a handful. Um, then Bournemouth feet Leicester. 2-1 Bournemouth. Neither of us had faith that Gary O'Neill's men would uh, no another good result. And we, we bigged up Gary O'Neill in the last episode as well. We did. We and spoke, in this episode is massively yeah. as well. So, yeah. We, we've spoken about how good he's been recently since taking over from Scott Parker. And we've spoken about the woes of Leicester. You thought Leicester would win. I kind of was a bit more balanced, thinking that, oh, Leicester-Bournemouth might be a bit closer than that and went for the one-all. Turns out neither of us correct, and Bournemouth uh, came back from one down to snatch it 2-1. So that is zero points each for both of us there. Yep. And then Palace v Leeds. You went bold and thought it'd be a three-all yeah, draw. I thought this was going to be high scoring. I, and, yeah, I thought... I thought Leeds were going to be competent um, and went for a 2-1 Leeds win away at Selhurst Park. But no, Palace kind of had a bit of change of form and really um, really put it to Leeds. And with Eze's goal, winning 2-1, um, once again, zero points for both of us there. Yep. It's easy to look back and go, oh, we should have seen that coming. Um, but Leeds being... I, I don't know, I thought Leeds would maybe just be a bit better than that. And they were just quite poor. Yeah. And then our final game of the Fab Four was Nottingham Forest against Villa. Well, I think to be fair, this is probably one of the best predictions that we've, or one of the easiest predictions that we could have had this week in the fact that we've got one half of the result correct. True. We both Villa did score one goal. Last week, we said the whole time, Villa only score one goal. So, and we both predicted Villa to score just one. Both of us absolutely smashed it. Well done. Good us. goal, to be fair, as well. Um, it was for, uh, Ashley Young's strike there. Very good from about 25 yards on uh, on the half. Um, and then we did say, oh, well, Forrest don't score many. Uh, but then you went for them scoring two, and I very you optimistically, went for optimistically went for the scoring three. I don't know. I just... Looking at how poor Villa were against 10-man leads, I just thought Forrest would maybe create more chances with all 11 men on the pitch, but it, it, I think, it I think was we, a bit we of probably a give, We don't give them enough credit maybe just for how solid they have. Well, I'll say solid, but um, okay they've been in, in at the back, maybe. Which team, Forrest or Villa? Villa. Have they been that solid at the back? Oh, I'm not going to have to look at previous results. Hang on. I don't think they've been hammered. No, so Drew with Forest 1-0, Drew with Leeds 0-0, beat Southampton 1-0, Drew with City 1-0, lost to Arsenal 2-1, lost to West Ham 1-0. Yeah, in all fairness, they don't really lose by many. So looking at since the start, first game of the season, um, they conceded 2 to Bournemouth. And then conceded three to Palace. But other than that, they... They don't keep any clean sheets, but they don't get hammered. No, they don't. Um, But you know what? We just thought Forrest were actually going to click. Maybe maybe we predicted a a new manager contract bounce, which just didn't arrive. Which I think, to be fair, actually, when we made the prediction, I don't think the contract was technically signed. 
no um at that point we had no idea that no. it was uh, going ahead so uh, yeah you know what i think it pretty much rounded up a portal poor week from us true but i don't think either team will be happy with a point there and no. but we've we've walked away with uh, zero points apiece for that game yeah. so that has uh, progressed us after those four games us slightly so that's yeah. put you on moved you on to 11 points and I'm now on 15 points. There's still only that four-point gap. Still all to play us. for. Exactly. And with match week 11 just around the corner, I'm sure things will change quite quickly, particularly with the games coming so thick and fast in the league as well. Um, speaking of which, Tom, what games do we have to look forward to in match week 11? So in game week 11, we have the Battle of the Bees. It's Brentford against Brighton. In the three o'clock kickoff on the Saturday, we have Wolves going up against Nottingham Forest. Everton then go to Tottenham Hotspur in the half five kickoff on the Saturday evening. It's Manchester United against Newcastle. Aston Villa then take on Chelsea in the two o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Leicester City take on Crystal Palace in the half twelve kickoff, the lunchtime kickoff on the Saturday. It's then Fulham against Bournemouth in the battle of the eighth and ninth. Then Southampton take on West Ham in the another two o'clock kickoff on the Sunday. And rounded off, it's Leeds United against Arsenal. Brilliant. Game week 11 looks incredibly exciting um, with some great fixtures going on there. So in terms of fixtures for next week for predictions. So um, we'll be looking at Brentford Brighton. Wolves and Forest, two teams that are in particularly poor form. Leicester and Palace and Southampton hosting West Ham. So let's get straight into it. Brentford v Brighton, Tom. How do you think this is going to uh, going to go? Yeah, I think the Brentford game... Uh, yeah, sorry. I think looking at it, Brentford will need obviously a huge bounce back after just what was, like I said, a, a poor day at the office um, against Newcastle um, last weekend. Brighton, I obviously, yeah, disappointed result against Spurs, but, you know, good. I think they put in a decent show of themselves, you know, unfortunately just going for, down to the um, 1-0 defeat there. So, um, yeah, typically Brighton have been decent away from home. It's just normally their home form that lets them down. So, um, but I might say that Deserby might find this a tricky prospect. Okay. Um, it's one of those sort of, if you've not managed in the Prem before, then these are the sort of games that normally gets in like a bit of a sticking point. So I, I expect a little bit of a bounce back from Brentford. I'm not going to say that it's going to be a win for Brentford, but I'm going to go for a tool draw. Oh, predicting a draw. See, Brentford haven't beaten... Well, well, Brentford haven't beaten Brighton, or in fact, they lost both games to Brighton last season in their return to the Premier League, um, both to uh, without reply in the game. So they lost 1-0 at home and 2-0 away at Brighton. So oh, I just see Brighton keep on ticking on um who put i don't think they were firstly unlucky to their game against spurs i think they were a bit unlucky to to have lost that game yeah um so i'm going to go for a 2-0 brighton win in that game 
Um, then Wolves v Nottingham Forest. So, yeah. Um, it's not going to be the most entertaining game, I think, is it? I couldn't imagine so, right? It's um, Wolves don't score. Forest at the moment don't really score a lot. Yeah, neither. So looking at looking at the t- look, uh, sorry, looking so far, so Wolves have scored three goals this season out of nine, and Forest have scored six goals in eight. The only thing going for them is that they have conceded thirty three goals between them. Oh dear. So what you're saying is effectively it's either going to be a high scoring battle yeah. of the um Is it gonna be nil nil or it'll be massively high scoring? Yep. I I I can't see it being nil nil just with the way the defences are. Um but then again, I'm not, I don't expect it to be high scoring because these these two just, just don't score goals, it's just not their thing. So um I'm gonna be really, really boring and just go for a one all draw. A one one draw, okay. Um, it's really interesting that these teams have never played each other in the Premier League. Really? Yeah, they've never been in the Premier League at the same time. So uh, they played each other plenty of times down in the Championship. But as a Premier League fixture... Is that including Premier League or top so five? That is Premier League. That is isn't okay. uh, so pre-92. Um, yep. Not yeah. sure. Uh, pre-92, yeah, they played each other in... Uh, I believe they've played each other in the top division quite a number of times. But in terms of actual Premier League era, they've never played each other. Um, I suppose they've all sort of missed each other, haven't they? So Yeah, yeah. so because Wolves weren't really a fit, like a main, like always up here for quite some no, time. They not were, at all like the end of the noughties type. They were a bit of a yo-yo-y type, yeah. type team. Um, so for this game, oh, my issue is that neither team score. Yeah. They just don't score because then they go, oh, what if Wolves turn it on? But I just don't know where they have get, they turned I, it on. I just don't know where they get their goals from because Costa's looking okay. Did absolutely nothing against Chelsea, um, and then players like Podence haven't done much. Yeah, and I don't expect their uh, their managers uh, managerial situation to have changed anytime soon. I'm gonna say Forest to win it two 0 Okay, okay. So then we have. As our third fixture of the four is Leicester versus Crystal Palace. See, Palace first uh, first good result in a while. Leicester not on the up. Where do you think this is going? I don't know. It's it's a weird one because I think again when they started the game, Leicester looked as though they were completely back on it and were. You know, looking really comfortable for the win, but just second half they just let let Bournemouth back into it. Um, so it's whether or not they can have a complete performance. Um, I'm expecting maybe Leicester, as much as I said, you know, last week I think was a one-off and it did turn out to be that way. I think we might start to see Leicester getting a bit of a, like an up and down sort of yo-yo type, type form, mm-hmm. and this game might be the one for them. But then again, Palace played particularly well against Leeds. But Leeds did sort of shoot themselves in the foot a couple of times. Um, but I think with the way Leicester is scoring goals right now, I think they'll be trying to keep it relatively tight at home. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out of the ordinary here. I'm gonna say Leicester three, Palace one. Three, one, two, Leicester. Okay. So 
looking at uh, their previous results between each other, last four games between the two teams in the league, um, both teams have scored in every game. And then the last two games at the King Power have been 2-1 wins to Leicester on both instances. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go with history. I'm going to say Leicester will yeah, win 2-1 again and get the same okay. result again. Okay. And then rounding this Fab Four off for this week, we have Southampton at home to West Ham. Right. So there's a bit of pressure on us now. Because what? every time that West Ham have appeared in the Fab Four, either you or myself have got the score absolutely spot on. So whatever one of us predicts for both of them, I'm going to be going to put a fiver on the exact score. Yeah, exactly. Okay. When the fun stops, stop. Exactly. Um, right. Southampton, I did ex- obviously, you know, against City, was expecting them to lose, have been a bit of a poor run. And there are murmurings about Ralph. Um, as you would expect when any sort of team goes through a bit of a, of a bit of a barren run. West Ham seem to have turned it around now. Bowen seems to be on the score sheet now. It was a well, penalty, that, obviously, at the weekend. Well, but... that's the thing. West Ham have now started scoring goals, and that was their issue at the start. They just weren't scoring goals. Now, Gamaka's starting, and he's scoring goals as well. It's, you know, it does seem as though everything's on the up for West Ham, whereas Southampton, conversely, are on a little bit of a slide. At the moment, I can only really see this game go in one direction. Um, I will go for a nil-two result, West Ham. A oh, a two-nil win for David Moyes' man, and we are frightfully accurate with this. Um, my only thing with West Ham is, as much as they've started scoring goals, they do have silly defensive mistakes still in them. So we saw with uh, when they lost to Everton, they kind of let Malpai turn and shoot, even though it was yep. a good goal. Again, the Pereira goal this week, although it was a very good strike, it was a bit sloppy from them in that um, on the halfway line, Bowen kind of just turned and fell over. I think he like kind of half-twisted his ankle and then... Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name, but Fulham's number seven absolutely burst down the left-hand side and uh, got the then played off to Pereira. So I think there is a mistake still in this West Ham side for, to concede a goal. So I'm actually going to go for a a win to West Ham, but a three-one win to West Ham because I think they've got the goals. It will just be about whether they can keep that clean sheet or not, and I just don't expect them to. So join us next week to see how we do in our Fab Four. Um, please also do uh, still send in any suggestions for forfeits for the loser of the game. We haven't agreed on one yet, but we've had a number of suggestions come forward, which we will be running through in a couple of episodes time. So if you do want to uh, send any suggestions in, same place you can send any questions to us. So that's at other 14 podcast on Twitter or email the other 14 pod at gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the other 14 podcast. So thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the podcast with Tom and myself. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice.
Also do recommend us to all your friends, family and any football fans in your life. We are now available on all good podcast platforms, including Google, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week on the other 14 podcast.